Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Rock Shock Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we are not doing a full recap of the Kansas victory over Michigan State in the Champions Classic, although I will say that that was an absolutely phenomenal game. I loved what I saw there. Uh, No, instead, we are getting ourselves ready for the weekend that uh, I have had circled on my calendar for a really, really long time, ever since this game got canceled, not once, but twice last year uh, for the Kansas Jayhawks. I realize things have been pretty bad for the Kansas football program at this point, but uh, you know, this is that one thing that we always kind of hold some sort of hope on to. And to help me preview this game, uh, Gerald Goodridge of the Longhorn Republic coming back to us. Uh, Gerald, how are you doing today? You know, I'm, I'm doing okay. I think it's been a it's been a weird couple of weeks for uh, Texas football fans. Just a couple. All, all the well, I'm thinking specifically of the monkey business, and then um, a player leaking a video of a coach Fair. testing him out on the, on the bus, which actually turned out to be a net positive, uh, which we can get into whenever you want to. But I, I'm doing okay, all things considered. My wife's good, my three kids are good, so all the things that matter in life are good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you actually led us right into it. So I was going to ask about the whole the whole state of the program, given the fact that they've lost four straight. <laughs> Some really bad comebacks that have happened against them. And then all the off the field stuff. So let, let's just start with the off the field stuff. Like absolutely that crazy, all the stuff that's come out. Which which one of those two things is the bigger deal or the weirder story to you? I mean, very easily it's it's the special teams slash tight end coaches, um, wife, significant other, um, a child getting bit at their at their house by a by her emotional support monkey. That's a, I, that is that like <laughs> you, you every, skipped every, over the juiciest details, but that's all right. I think everyone's heard well, them by now if you follow college football at all. 
Um, it, it, yeah, you yeah. have. And, and there, there's a longer conversation to be had about like whether or not that is like actually pertinent to the story. But like, yeah, she, she was, she is a, she is a former adult dancer. I think she retired from that life when she and Jeff Banks got together. Um, but like, that was also like when he was at A&M. So two coaches ago, which is, you know, it's a, it's a longer conversation than we have. Well, I mean, that's, that's why I think it made as big of a story as it did because, of that part. Like everybody wanted to talk about that part. And there's obviously a whole bunch of other stuff that really isn't pertinent to any of this, but it's just not really good publicity to have with the program. Um, especially since I was, I was under the impression that, you know, he was being considered for some, like for some potential, like step up in jobs, but that kind of came out at just the wrong time for that kind of stuff (laughs) to happen. So, um, yeah, but you know, you also talked about the video that came out of the coach that was yelling at the players. Um, I mean, what were your thoughts on that? Because I, I didn't know, or I didn't even really think it was that big of a deal. Yeah, I mean, you know, the language that got used in some case, that's not really that, that bad, especially probably compared to what they're hearing most of the time in the locker room, either between each other or, you know, coaches <laughs> talking or things like that. Like, yeah. I, I played I played middle school football, and there was people talking like that all the time in middle school football. So, like, I can just imagine how much worse it gets as you go up a lo- every level. So, um, like, I, I don't know that that was necessarily that bad. Like, what was the biggest takeaway you had from that entire interaction? Yeah, and I think there's there's two conversations that are that need to be had around it. And I think the biggest thing is, like, there are people that struggle to separate the language from the message. And, like, if that's your takeaway, that's fine. But I disagree with it, especially given the context. But, like... Both and, and this happened. This, honestly, the rumblings of this started two weeks ago when the story broke about um, Steve Sarkeesian and, and senior wide receiver Joshua Moore kind of having it out on the field. And this is something that I think is intentional by the coaching staff. If you go back and you watch the video, which one I think it's 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 not funny, but it's funny that this is something that happened. But like the the message is really clear from the coaching staff: either you buy into the culture we're trying to build, or there's the door. And that was the message that Bo Davis is, is, is preaching. And Bo Davis is a guy who's got skins on the wall, both at Texas, Alabama, and in the NFL. And so he knows what he's talking about. And that to me is the bigger, and what a lot of Texas fans are, are glomming onto and really get, giving their, um, their attention to is like, we've known there's been a culture issue at Texas for a long time. There's been a culture issue at Texas since Mac Brown was there. And so finally seeing somebody calling out that culture, the culture issues of not hating to lose, right? Like that was the the issue that he was calling out. Guys were cutting up and joking after getting absolutely embarrassed by Iowa State. And like you players need to hate to lose more than they like winning and like what the University of Texas can offer them. There's a reason why my wife and I don't play board games on date nights anymore because I hate to freaking lose. I've ruined a number of date nights. I ruined two date nights and I was like, hey, we're never playing board games again because I hate to lose. And I'm not even that a top tier athlete. I'm just a dude, right? And so like that to me is is the biggest thing what a lot of Texas fans are coming out with. And it actually, you saw it, we're recording on Wednesday or at the Wednesday night, Texas players started changing their Twitter profile pictures to Bo Davis's headshot. And so <laughs> there seems to like, it's, it's an open secret now at this point, and it seems to be hitting the right notes. Guys are, guys are buying in the best players on offense. Xavier Worthy, probably the biggest and best player they've got outside of Bijan Robinson on offense was one of the first players that did it. And so you're seeing team leaders buying into the message of we're trying to do something here. And if you are not, then you're not welcome. And I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. I mean, it, it is kind of, 
a little weird to see it at this point in the season because this, I mean, you know, oh, yeah. the, the, the huge comebacks that happened in the last weeks prior to that, like I would have thought that we would have gotten that sort of reaction previously. And so I don't know. And, and obviously neither of us really have a lot of, you know, uh, firsthand experience or really know what's going on in that locker room there. But it just seems weird to me that, you know, that game against Iowa state was the one that caused the problems when they had, you know, I mean, obviously the, the loss to Oklahoma was, was the first warning sign, um, you know, just with the way that, 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 that comeback happens, but that's a weird game. It happens all the time, honestly, with back and forth and, and, you know, you never really know what you're going to get when you go into the red river rivalry. And so, yeah. but then, you know, the huge comeback by, by Oklahoma state, you know, in, in the week after that, and then the loss to Baylor, like those, I, I would have thought that they, there would have been some big blow up and we would have heard something more about this at that point. It was just a little weird to me that it took that, that game against Iowa state for a lot of this kind of stuff to happen. And I don't know if it was one or two individual players that, that, uh, you know, just didn't like the way that that particular game happened and, and, you know, end up getting under the coaches. Like, I, I don't really know what it is. It's just the the timing of it's weird. Of course, it's super unfortunate for Kansas fans because you would have hoped that they either would have had their big, you know, come to Jesus moment a few weeks ago when things could settle down, you know, or they would have waited until, you know, after they had a really poor showing against KU. And then all of this stuff would have blown up. Like, what I'm worried about now with this particular game is that Texas is going to be fired up. Like, there's going to be a lot of guys that are fired up. And this is a game where they know they can get back to winning. Um, you know, and so like the hope was, I think that they either would have settled down or they would have been so down in the dumps, you know, that, that Kansas would have at least had a shot of not getting them at their best. I I have a hard time thinking that that's not going to be the case at this point. But before we get into the specifics of this particular game, um, I I do want to ask though, you know, we talked about kind of those, those comebacks and the four game losing streak that, that Texas is on at this point. Like what has been the biggest issue that Texas has had in the last few weeks that have really caused them to, for whatever reason, just collapse. I think the, the, the OU one is, is a little, is, you mentioned it. It's different, right? There are a lot of things that could happen in Dallas. That's a game that's built on momentum. You had freshman, you had a freshman make a boneheaded play and that kind of led to a lot of it. But I think when you look at the, the three that followed it, well, you know, Oklahoma state uh, Baylor, and then Iowa state, it was a lack of the offense being able to, uh, to, to respond to what the opponents were doing. And so you saw Texas in all, all four of those games build a, build a big lead. And then the defense made an adjustment and the offense didn't really have the horses in the barn, specifically on the offensive line uh, to, to, to make that shift and make that adjustment. And so you saw like, it was super embarrassing against Oklahoma state. They, I think the offense had one yard in the fourth quarter, which is just unheard of and so when the defense is rewarding you with stops it happened against Baylor a couple three Texas got Baylor off the field defensively three consecutive drives and the offense just gave the ball right back and so there's a lack of rewarding your defense for making plays and there's it's the big 12 it's college football it's football in 2021 offenses are going to score and so if your defense stops them from scoring you've got to put up some semblance of of, of a response in order to build up and build momentum because against Oklahoma State again I can have I can see it happening Texas is going for the knockout blow and the offense they throw an interception basically a pick six almost pick six ends the half uh, and so that instead of Oklahoma State coming out of the locker room kind of having to go against what they want to do on offense they're just able to run their offense and they crockpot Texas in the second half same thing happened against Baylor couldn't land the knockout punch Baylor stays in their offense they crockpot you in the second half Iowa State was a whole completely different thing the offense looked 
out of sorts. The offensive line got beat by three slash four man pressure. Um, and I think it all really comes down to the offensive line, not being able to, to give the quarterbacks any semblance of time to, to make reads and make a throw. Yeah. But I mean, that I think explains the offensive side of it, that like the, the offense just can't keep it going for whatever reason, but it, it doesn't, I think explain to me the defense because the defense has gone from fairly strong showings in the first half of each of the last three games to just completely like do me like basically, you know, <laughs> laying people by in the second half. Like what is going on there that causes them to have such problems in the second half when it seems like they're actually playing really well in the first half? Is it, is it like a lack of adjustments from the coaching staff? Is there something else going on there? Is it some sort of conditioning? Like what is it that leads to the second half problems for the defense? Yeah. So I mentioned the, the complimentary football in that first, that first bit where like, if your offense is going three and out on every drive, then you're not, you're just going to get worn down. And that's actually really what I think happened against, against Oklahoma state and Baylor, Iowa state. I don't know what the heck happened there. Uh, they, they just kind of laid down and took it. But I think the other thing that we have to, to really talk about, and this is, I'm not like a fire, a coach in, in year one. I think that's asinine, but part of the issue is also schematic. And there was a quote that came out and I wish I remember, I wish I, I wish I had it in front of me, but after the, after the Baylor game, one of, uh, one of the reporters asked their running backs uh, about Texas's defensive alignment. Cause Pete Kwiatkowski is going to run two high safeties. till the cows come home until, until however you believe the world is going to end that, that is the point where Pete Kwiatkowski will, will be running two high safeties. And so they asked the Baylor, the Baylor running backs about it and basically said, you know, Texas is playing two too high and their linebackers are over pursuing. So the cutbacks are going to be there and we're going to run it down your throat. And that to me is a pretty damning quote. That is a quote that's like, that's inexcusable, right? If, if as, as a defensive coach, if you don't have the players to play the system that you want, then you've got to be willing to adjust, but coming out four weeks in a row and hoping something different is going to happen and not making any sort of adjustment, not sliding a, a safety down, not doing anything to help out your linebackers, not doing anything to help out your, your, your linemen. That's inexcusable. And so there's been some conversation this week uh, that Texas is bringing on um, a former defensive coordinator. He's not, not like, well, like nobody that, that I think would, would, would rattle cages or anything, but kind of to do some self scouting and to see where Texas can make some adjustments. And so that's a positive sign uh, that Texas is hopefully going to look at doing something different uh, and trying something different against Kansas because the again if you don't have the horses to run your system then you've got to adjust and tweak it and really uh, allow for those players to at least be in a position to be successful yeah I mean that kind of that that quote though I mean I don't know I, I the way that I read that one when when I saw it wasn't that you know they were doing the exact same thing you know, each game for like from game to game. Like it didn't seem like that was the issue. It, it seemed more of an issue that, you know, Baylor went in and made adjustments at halftime and was able to then find success because Texas didn't do anything different in the second half defensively. And, and I think that that was something that we saw, you know, several times. Like we saw that in, in the, in the TCU game, right. Where TCU was having a lot of problems in the first half. And then when they came out in the second half, the, the defensive looks from Texas were exactly the same. And so TCU was able to find the holes and Texas didn't adjust. Like how, how much worry is there among the Texas fan base that this defensive staff just doesn't really know how to, you know, adjust on the fly in, in the middle of a game. And I mean, cause, cause that could be a lot a huge problem if, you know, they're not able to react to what opposing teammates are doing and, you know, can't find any way to, to, to do something differently. 
Yeah, and I think I think that's that's I think we're 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 singing the same song in different in different verses. It's okay, like, okay, yeah, yeah. Pete, that Pete Kwiatkowski is just not adjusting from week to week or in game. Like that's and that is not not Texas fans are not shying away from that fact. There's there's a vocal minority that wants to make a change, and, and I think that's asinine because then that is now your fourth defensive coordinator in four years, and that is not a way to build any sort of continuity. Uh, but I do think I. Especially again with with bringing in outside eyes on the defense, I think I think Sark and, and Krakowski have had to come to Jesus about one adjusting the system week to week and one being able to make um, in game adjustments and really and really shift to what the offense is giving you. Yeah, so I mean, let's let's take a look at this defense itself. Um, you know, what I mean, like what where, where are the big the big playmakers? Like, what is the strength of this defense? I think the the strength of this defense was supposed to be the defensive line, uh, the defensive line and the linebackers. You've got a guy uh, like Keandre Coburn, who's probably going to hear his name called uh, late in the NFL draft. You've got a guy, Demarvin Overshone, at linebacker, who heading into the year was was people were touting him as a first two rounds pick. He's got put some bad tape out there um, just with inconsistency. This is only really his second year playing linebacker, so there's a little bit of uh, growth. He he spun his way down from safety to linebacker and has really been uh, pretty impressive for some. Somebody who's again in you know, he played eleven or ten games last year and we're in week ten. So twenty games at linebacker, he's been pretty solid uh overall. And and those are kind of the two big stars. You'll probably hear uh the name Alfred Collins, who's another one of the big defensive linemen. Uh Byron Murphy is a is a true freshman that came in. And they say he's eight they say he's a true freshman, but I really want to see his birth certificate because he, he shows up and he looks like he's got two <laughs> ex-wives and a mortgage. Like he's just one of those kids that's like, How are you nobody when I went to high school looked like you uh, and so uh, he's another guy that I think is is gonna um, be a future star on the defensive front and so uh, those are names especially uh, if Texas is able to do what they should do uh, against the the Kansas ground attack uh, those will be names that you'll probably hear early and often yeah yeah for sure I mean you know you talked about how those were supposed to be the names uh, it sounds like maybe they're not necessarily performing the way it is so like who who would you say to this point this year have been the the standout guys like the guys that really surprised you and have been playing a lot better than maybe you expected coming into the year specifically on, on, defense? on defense yeah on defense i couldn't name, i couldn't name i've been i've been very frustrated uh, okay, with okay. the defense it and so i think uh, again like it was supposed to be the strength and so uh going into the year i was very excited about about seeing keandre coburn play and he's been good it's hard to like have super high expectations on a, on a nose on a nose and what's basically a three man front, right? Cause they don't show up on um, the stat sheet a lot. And even in the games where the run defense struggled, part of the reason that, that the cutback lanes were there is because there were, there were games where Keandre Coburn basically picked up a center and moved him three yards, uh, but the linebackers weren't there to to, to fill oh the gap gosh. behind him. And so, like there, there's like you've your 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 nose is doing what they're supposed to do, and then you know, and and this is not a shot at the guy. Luke Brockermeyer is a former walk on who's who's starting at this point, um, which is it's you can see you can see the talent gap and the talent deficiency and there there were guys at Texas recruited to to play that spot uh, you know who ended up having to like medically retire or transferred out and so there's there's that gap there as well but i think um if texas if the texas defense looks like what it should this the, then we'll see again a guy like Keandre Cobra and Alfred Collins um that are living up and playing up to the potential that, that we saw, uh, what, nine, 10 weeks ago. So, so what is the best way to attack this defense? And like, has there been a consistent problem for this defense, a, a, a hole that opponents have really started to exploit 
Um, or is it kind of just been random things failing at different times and there's not really anything you can pin down? Uh, cutbacks and speed option are the two things that I'll tell you. There has been um, running backs have been able to really cut against the grain in Texas. There, there's an advantage to a really aggressive defense, especially when you're playing on the ground. But if if you lose contain on the back end, um, there's there's not enough geometry in the world that can help you maintain that angle. And so that that is something. And again, the 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 one that broke the dam against Iowa State was both of them, where they ran a speed option to the field side, and then Brees Hall cut completely across uh, back across the field, and just nobody on the field was able to catch him. And so those are the two things that I think it that teams if if teams do not run speed option against texas then you're, you're just not doing your job as an offensive staff like i don't know if that's not sprinkled into your playbook at some point if that's not installed for texas week then you're not doing your job yeah well i mean i think obviously a lot of it depends on what what kind of personnel you have but there's definitely yeah. packages you can add that will take advantage of those sorts of things even if it's not specifically that that you know certain schematic but there are definitely ways to incorporate those those kind of offensive concepts i do think yeah. that kansas has the ability to take advantage of that in some fashion the question is always going to be how consistent um you know and i mean they, they do have to be able to sprinkle in some other things so that so that texas can't just sell out to try to you know cover over those deficiencies um we'll actually get to the to that to that in the matchups because I, I do think that there's some interesting matchups here to, to talk about at this point, but uh, before we do that, just a couple quick things. You know, I, I, I we, we, we did talk about the last few weeks, um, which unfortunately for Texas fans and then and then for anybody who has actually been following Texas and, and, and betting on Texas to be one of the better teams in the Big 12 this year has really caused a lot of problems for them, especially over on the sponsor that we have here here on the podcast. That is Symbol. Symbol is the stock market for sports that... Uh, Sorry, the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you earn cash. Use that sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 8,000-plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams, including Big 12 teams like Texas and Kansas, and unfortunately some other teams that have had some issues with their value dropping in the last few weeks. Um, but if, if you go to Symbol.com, create a free account, and when you deposit, make sure you use promo code CHALK12. You can get a money-back guarantee. What that means is... You get started here on Symbol. You can deposit up to $500 using that promo code. And if any time in the next 90 days or in the next 90 days, your your portfolio there has lost value, you can actually ask to get a full refund on that initial deposit amount. So it's it, it's a good way to you know get in there, give it a try, have fun investing, find some teams you think are going to skyrocket in value. And if it doesn't work out, then you have an opportunity to go ahead and get your money pulled back out. So I, I highly recommend you didn't you do it. I'm having a lot of fun over there with the teams that I have, even though I haven't gotten the return that I was hoping for when I got them. Um, you know, I think that has more to do with my investment strategy than anything else, but um, you know, head on over there, symbol.com use promo code chalk 12, get a $500 money back guarantee uh, and start investing in your, in your favorite teams today. All right. So I do want to jump over to the offense. I kind of I, I'm super curious about what's going on with this offense because again, it's it seems to be hot and cold at various times. But before we need before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. If you love the Big Twelve, then we have the show for you. The Ten Twelve, the podcast that covers all ten teams in the Big Twelve conference. Forget the SEC, forget the Big Ten, and forget national podcasts that only talk about Oklahoma and Texas. We talk about the Sooners and the Longhorns. We also talk about the Cyclones, the Cowboys, the Wildcats, the Mountaineers, the Jayhawks, the Red Raiders, the Horn Frogs, and the Bears. 
We love the whole Big 12, and we are available everywhere that podcasts are found. So go and find the 1012 Podcast and subscribe today. Basketball season is finally here, Big 12 fans. And for your home for men's and women's basketball, come to Midwest Madness. We are doing game coverages going over game analysis, different rankings of teams, and consistently looking at the best matchups in the conference. You're not going to want to miss out on all the amazing basketball coverage we have, so go check out Midwest Madness. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're back. All right, so I'm here with Gerald Goodridge of the Longhorn Republic. We are previewing the Kansas and Texas game. We've already talked about the defense because I think that was the bigger story coming into this week so far, but I am curious about the offense. Because it seems to me like the only consistent thing on this offense would be Bijan Robinson. But for whatever reason, he seems to be having trouble in the second half. And I don't know if that's because they're leaning on him so heavily that teams are either figuring it out or he's wearing down at the end of games or what. But it seems like for whatever reason, Texas is going away from him in the second half. Is that because other things are supposed to be opening up or because teams have been selling out to stop Bijan? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a little bit of both. I think Texas again. I, I you'll if you listen to my podcast, you've ever heard me talk about Texas. This is my like the Texas offensive line is just not. Bijan deserves way better than what the Texas offensive line is giving him, and we saw it against Iowa State. Iowa State was not going, and really Baylor as well. They were not going to let Bijan Robinson beat them. They were just not, and so they were going to they they forced Texas to to go away from it, and so. They put the ball in Casey Thompson's arms, and Casey Thompson, you know, he's he came into the year and we knew what he was and we knew what he wasn't, um, and he didn't really have he, he's not the he's not the gunslinger, he's not the guy who's going to throw the ball, you know, eighty yards off his knees, um, and he got hurt against Oklahoma State, so what whatever zip he did have on the ball was significantly diminished, and so he was not able to really punish defenses for stacking the box against Bijan, and so that's been the thing, and. You know, again, the halftime adjustments, Texas's offensive line in in God bless him, Herb Hand just did not do a good job of, of developing these guys to where they should be. They were not able to deal with with what the defense gave them in the second half. And so there is a likelihood that the with a better offensive line, I think you see better play from Bijan in the second half. And so I don't necessarily – he ended up getting injured against Iowa State late in the game, so I wonder if Texas puts him on a pitch count this uh, this week. No offense to, to Kansas football, but, like, if you can get Bijan some amount of rest in this game, then you probably should. And so that, to me, that's been the big issue, is that the, the defenses make adjustments. The offensive line just isn't good enough to adjust to it, and the, the quarterbacks aren't punishing – teams for sliding a safety into the box or keeping, you know, seven people, eight people home um, – to really stop the run. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that's the big story for, for Texas offense because last year, Sam Elliott didn't really have any consistent receivers that he could rely on to, to be able to really get things moving. And it seems like they're in a similar sort of situation. Although I think I'm willing to put a little bit more of the blame on the actual quarterback. Um, just because, you know, it has been somewhat of a revolving door for, for the quarterback position. Uh, you know, Hudson card started the year out obviously. And then Casey Thompson took over a few games in, and now this last game, you know, it looked like Thompson got benched for Hudson Card again. Is that a, a position that's still up for grabs at this point? Or was that more of a something happened in the Iowa State game that they put Card in, but they're going back to Thompson? I think it's a little bit of both. I think Sark said it in the 
in the in his Monday press conference that they were kind of evaluating the the quarterback position. They pulled Casey Thompson because he didn't look good. And I think he didn't look good because his, his thumb slash wrist is injured. He just didn't have the pop on the ball that he needed to to really to fit into the spaces that he that he wanted to. Uh, and so we saw. We also know what Hudson Card is and Hudson Card isn't. Hudson Card was an all-world quarterback that relied on his athleticism to win games, and that's just not going to get it done when your offensive line, when you're playing off your back foot and having to reset the pocket. He's the that is the biggest exploitable thing to me is if Hudson Card is in there and you get him off schedule and out of the pocket, he's going to squeeze the ball and not throw it, or he's not going to tuck it and run. He's going to try and try and try and look for an open man, and then he's going to make a dumb throw or throw it away and, and end up with an intentional ground. Like that's probably the biggest exploitable thing um, it, when you when you play against Texas. And so I'm curious to see. Um, what that quarterback room looks like and shakes out again. I, I think it's going to be Hudson card because I don't think Casey Thompson's wrist slash thumb is going to be up for it. And that was when, if you look at like Casey Thompson's numbers this year, half of his interceptions came in the last three games because he got injured against Oklahoma state. And so that is the thing that nobody's really talking about is that I think he's hurt and that's been the issue. Yeah, I mean, it definitely never helps. Uh, you know, Kansas had its share of trying to play guys that were hurting it not working out well for them. So yeah. I understand that entirely. Um, you know, it does make me wonder, though, if, you know, Card has this well-known kind of issue with the way that he plays that's not really compatible with what the offensive line can give him. Um, you know, what what is the plan going to be for this week then? Because, you know, Kansas, while while their defense has been giving up, you know, chunk plays quite a bit, you know, we, we saw them against Oklahoma – that they, they took advantage of a really bad, you know, performance by Oklahoma's offensive line to really get a lot of pressure on Caleb Williams and really kind of cause a lot of issues there. Um, you know, they have a guy on the defensive line in Kyron Johnson who is, you know, probably a guy that could start at most teams in the Big 12 and unfortunately just doesn't have a lot to help him. You know, he, he is also a guy that was supposed to be the third best pass rushing option on this team before Kansas lost a couple guys to transfer. So, you know, he, he has stepped up pretty big, especially in the last few weeks here, and is the one guy in the front seven for Kansas that really is wreaking havoc. How does, I mean, how, how does Texas handle that? And, and how worried are you about his ability to get into the backfield and disrupt what Hudson Card's trying to do? Terrified. I'm absolutely terrified because that's okay. been, that's been the thing that that has plagued Texas for the last four games. And again, if you even go back to the Arkansas game, that that snowballed really quickly, and and Sark should have pulled the quarterback quicker than he did. But like that's that's the thing that's been air quotes keeping me up. It's actually not keeping me up. My three week old son is. But Fair. Um, there is like that's the thing. It's like Texas is very likely, and Texas has gone base twelve personnel um, a lot this year, where they've got. Uh, they're keeping multiple, they're keeping multiple tight ends, and they're keeping running backs and max protect just out of necessity. And so I'm, I'm anticipating them keeping uh, either Bijan. If there's one knock on Bijan's game, he has some room to grow as a pass blocker. And so I think we might see Roshan Johnson more uh, in the game as a pass blocker. He's just the better of the two. And so I think Texas is going to have to devote multiple bodies to that in order to to be able to play the offense that they want. And I mean, Hudson, Hudson card, if he's the quarterback is a guy who can put some zip on the ball and put it in a spot, but he, he if he gets rattled, he's going to get rattled. And so I think they're, they're going to scheme. They're going to hopefully scheme 
extra protection for him. And if he can get going early, you know, you look at the the first play that they ran against OU that they that they took 75 yards for a touchdown. It wasn't anything other than a quick out to the fastest player on the team, Xavier Worthy, and then he made missed he made one guy miss and ran down the sideline. So I would I would hope to see Texas do some of that to loosen the defense and then hopefully they can get things going elsewhere. Yeah, I mean because Kansas, you know, for for all the issues that they've had, they actually do have a, a still a, a pretty good defensive secondary. You know, Kenny Logan Jr., um, the safety kind of roaming in the middle, has made a ton of big plays throughout the last few weeks. He, he does have a habit of going a little low with his tackles. He needs to stop, you know, kind of leading with his helmet to try to tackle people. Um, so, like, if, if, if he doesn't make a whole bunch of plays in this game, I think it's probably because he gets himself ejected for targeting. That's happened way too often for him. But, um, you know, he's going to be back there making plays. Jacoby Bryant is a is a guy that, you know, at corner, you know, was was expected to kind of be that second guy opposite of Karan Prunty, who was a freshman All-American last year before Prunty transferred. Uh, but he has stepped in, and you don't really hear a lot from from Jacoby Bryant because a lot of people aren't really throwing at him. You know, they've had a few plays that they've kind of sent his way, but he doesn't get a chance to really rack up stats because most people are, are avoiding his his side of the field. Um, so I'll be interested to kind of see where Texas is able to go. You know, in, in, in terms of wide receivers, you talked about Xavier Worthy, but who else does Texas have? Because I'm not super familiar you know, I, I, I try to keep up with most of the conference, but I'm not super familiar with their wide receivers. And it seems to me it's because they don't really have anyone else that kind of jumps out at you. So who who else in terms of this receiving core should Kansas fans be keeping an eye on? Yeah, two of the two of the three guys that started the season on the depth chart, uh, Josh Moore trans uh, entered in the portal. He got right. in a very public argument with Steve Sarkeesian and transferred. Uh, and then Jordan Whittington is three for three, three years, three injuries, and so he uh, hurt his clavicle earlier in the season, and he's he's out. So uh, you've got a guy named Marcus Washington who's going to be one of the the starting wide receivers. And Washington is not going to be a speedy threat. He is a big, physical, big. He's a he's a typical Tom Herman wide receiver where he's he's um, tall, physical, and honestly, I love Marcus Washington because he's also like a guy who is unafraid to block. And so I love a wide receiver that's like, I may not out I may not be able to outspeed you, but on a running play, I'm going to put you on your keister. Right. And so I love him. And then you're going to see uh, Calvante Dixon, uh, Mucci Dixon, as we um, call him, those who are familiar, uh, is a guy who's stepping into the starting lineup for the first time. And he is a, he's a guy who's got all world talent. Uh, but he just hasn't been able to see the field a ton. And, and Sark has mentioned him several times as a guy who's made strides during the year. And so I'm curious to see what he does with his first start. He had a catch last week. He also had a drop last week. So 50, 50 uh, for him, but he's a guy who's going to have to step up because if you're going to play next man up, then you're the next man up. And so those will be the three guys. Texas hasn't used their tight ends a ton. Uh, Sark doesn't necessarily throw a ton to the tight ends in, in this scheme. And Texas doesn't necessarily have a tight end that you'd want to throw to at this point. Jared Wiley has been, significantly disappointing and and um that's just that's just the reality of the situation so those are the three guys to look out for i think worthy is going to get uh get touches early and often he's like 130 yards away from breaking roy williams freshman receiving record so i don't think he breaks it against kansas but i think he puts himself in position to break it with one or two catches uh in two weeks from now yeah i was to say i i would probably pencil him in for a good 80 yards at least uh against ku because that's i mean Kansas is is pretty good at shutting down guys for a good portion of the game, but they they do give up some pretty big ones here and there. And it sounds to me like Xavier Worthy is probably the only real real deep threat on this team. 
um, which which does play into Kansas's you know favor a little bit because they are really good about keeping stuff in front of them and coming up and making big hits. Um, the biggest issue typically is just if a guy gets beat deep, especially with some of the young guys that they're working in in that in that defensive secondary. So we'll have to see, you know, how well. And, and I think that'll that'll probably kind of set the tone for the game is how quickly can they get a deep one going to Worthy? Because um, if they can hit a couple of those in the first half, that really opens it up and really causes Kansas to be back on their heels to try to avoid those, which will open up the running game for Bijan. We'll will keep Kansas from really bringing a bunch of pressure with the linebackers as well. Um, you know, so if, if, if Kansas can avoid the early, you know, first quarter bombs, I, I think that sets them up pretty well to keep this game fairly competitive. Um, you know, obviously there is some, some interpretation for, for what defines competitive when you're playing Kansas versus Texas, but I guess we'll have to just kind of figure that out as we go. Um, I, so I, I do want to flip back real quick to the other side of the ball because, you know, it's time to talk about matchups for this particular game. I think we've kind of covered the matchups uh, fairly well when when Texas on offense, but but when Texas on defense, like what is it about this Kansas defense or this Kansas offense that would potentially worry you? Um, you know, if if Kansas were to be able to keep this game close, is I think that and this is a question I just talked about with my co-host. Like I I'm not sure who the quarterback is, but like Jay, if if Bean is healthy enough to go on. On Saturday, his ability to, to catch an edge is terrifying, and his ability to keep plays alive with his feet is something that really worries me, um, especially as Texas has shown itself susceptible to uh, giving up stuff along the edges. You know, And that was what, what bit him against OU. And, and again, I'm not saying Jason Bean and, and Caleb Williams are in the same league at this point in their careers, but I am saying that an athletic quarterback who can make throws off schedule has has plagued Texas. Uh, happened against Bohannon Bo and Baylor did the same thing to them. Them. So that's that's the thing that really worries me is if Bean is playing, which I think it's still an if at this point. I haven't been uh, the last. Yeah, it's I saw it's probably he- not likely. Like the, okay. the the last I heard, and this was earlier this afternoon. Um, you know, it was he was more towards doubtful than to questionable. So so if yeah. we're thinking NFL injury designations, I, I mean, I would probably give him maybe a twenty five percent chance of playing. Um, I think the 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 team is expecting that it's going to be Jalen Daniels. The the question there though, because you know. The last time that these two teams played was down in Austin and it was, you know, Jalen Daniels going toe to toe with Sam Ellinger, you know, and, you know, losing on a last second kick by by Dicker, you know, in a absolutely wild game that went back and forth like crazy. So, like, how much worry is there? You know, this this isn't a, a case where you're going to a backup quarterback who, you know, doesn't have a lot of experience and hasn't really been in that kind of environment. Like this is a guy in Jalen Daniels who has played in this, you know, stadium, they have played against Texas and performed at a high level against Texas. Like how, how worried are you that it is Jalen Daniels that's stepping into that role in his first game as a starter, um, you know, kind of with that experience under his belt already. I think the one thing that, that, I'm concerned. I'm I'm just concerned about Texas football overall. Fair. But I think the one thing that like eases my mind a little bit is that Puka Williams is not here to run for 200 yards. Like that was that's the thing that like gives me a little bit makes a little bit of the pressure off of my chest. But um, no, I think it's still an absolutely. Uh, Having a veteran quarterback, having a quarterback that's not necessarily afraid of, and nobody's afraid of Texas at this point, nor should they be, but uh, a quarterback that's that's been able to find uh, even limited success, it will confidence confidence and swagger is a real thing when it comes to being able to play. You feel good, you play well, and right. so that is that's the thing that 
if if he starts to feel it early, it, that's just the way football works. If KU hangs around and KU is able to uh, put some points on the board and, and start to feel like we can win this thing, then they absolutely can win this thing. But um, if if I mean Puka Williams is a is a transcendent talent, and so him not being here this year um, and his I'm looking at one ninety and two to the guy averaged seven a touch. Good lord, I didn't realize it was that. Bad. Yeah, it's actually <laughs> kind of funny you say that because Kansas has a long line of really good running backs, and and actually Devin Neal, the running back that they have this year is supposed to be a much more well-rounded back, can do a lot of things, can can do... He isn't quite as fast as Puka Williams was, um, but is definitely, I think, a much better back overall than Puka Williams was because Williams' main you know asset was his speed, getting out to the edge. Um, Devin Neal has shown the ability to get out to the edge somewhat, but also the ability to kind of cut inside, you know, you know, kind of do more as the season has gone on, and he's really kind of come into his own. The problem has always been that Kansas is so, is so far behind that they have to start throwing the ball, and so he doesn't get to do quite as much. So I, I do think that there is a, a big opportunity for a guy like Devin Neal, especially, you know, as you were talking about, like, cutbacks being a real big problem for this Texas defense. That's like Devin Neal's game. Like, that's what he does quite a bit. And so I do think there's an opportunity, unfortunately, for Texas fans that, you know, you might kind of have that, you know, PTSD about Puka Williams running all over you. I think that Devin Neal has an opportunity to really break out in this game against Texas as well, because his skill set is set up perfectly for what you were describing in terms of the, you know, problems that this defense has. As long as Kansas can get a few passes to guys like Kwame Lasseter or Luke Grimm to to keep the defense honest, I think you're going to see that Kansas is going to find a lot of success in this game. The question is just always going to be, can the defense stop Texas enough to, to actually make it matter? And and I think the the Texas offense has shown that they are infinitely fallible. Not infallible, but infinitely fallible. <laughs> right. So right. that is... Uh, well, that's all that right. The Kansas concern. offense is, is also the same way, so... <laughs> I, I, I would say that the Kansas offense can either be really, really good and super surprise you, and that's what happened against Oklahoma for quite a long time, um, or they can look absolutely atrocious like they did against Oklahoma State. Now, granted, I think Oklahoma State probably has one of the best defenses in the nation, uh, so I'm not necessarily that surprised. But, um, you know, it is definitely one of those things where if, if, if it starts going bad for Kansas, it gets really bad. If it starts going good, they can shock, they can shock some people. And, and it wouldn't be the first time that Kansas shocked Texas. Uh, I know. It's happened multiple times in recent memory. The 2019 game was one that was shocking, and Texas narrowly avoided was, that. Was lucky to twice. escape. Yeah. Yeah, but absolutely. No, very lucky to escape. Um, and so, yeah, I think it is it is a – again, I – the thirty-point line feels really, really aggressive. I would, I would take, I would take Kansas uh, if you're if you're a betting person. Uh, Thirty points is massive, um, regardless of who you're playing. Yeah, like, and I just don't. Like, I don't. Kansas. It might, it might be three scores, but thirty. Good lord. Yeah, Kansas. The only time Kansas has actually won against the spread was against Oklahoma, and that was a game that nobody saw coming. Um, it's been weird because it always seems like these spreads are like just out of reach, and they barely lose to them, but. Like you said, I have a hard time, like, unless everything just completely falls apart and Texas all of a sudden figures it out, you know, and just goes on a huge tear from here. Like, I, I just, these games have always been weird. Kansas, for the most part, has played really well against Texas, you know, with the exception of, like, I believe it was David Beatty's first year. And then, like, the year after that, ba- you know, the year after Beatty <laughs> beat Texas and Texas decided to take all that anger out on them with, with the brand new coach that they had in Tom Herman. So, like, 
you know, the, Texas definitely had a, a few moments, but for the most part, Kansas has played that game a lot closer than they really have any business playing when you look at the talent disparity between the two teams. So I, I just, you're right. I, that 30 and a half is a giant number to me. I don't, I don't know how Texas covers it, um, especially, you know, the issues that Texas have had in the second half where they don't, you know, they, they don't keep up that defensive pressure in the second half. They have problems. Things start to slip. Like, I could envision a scenario where Texas is up by four scores, you know, early in the third quarter, and then they let it slip back, you know, and, and Kansas ends up being within 10 or something like that. So, I, I mean, I, I'm not really sure what I think is going to happen in this game. I just know that that 30 and a half seems like a gigantic number that there's absolutely no way that Texas <laughs> is going to cover it. I could, I could see it looking similar to, to the tech game. And that was, I think Texas won by 35 points. I don't get, I don't know and have any confidence that Texas will do this, but, Texas had a huge first half um, and got some stops defensively. And then they basically just had a track meet in the second half where Texas would go three plays and a score and then tech would go three plays and a score. And so like that could very well be the second half of this game. And so the question is like, can Texas build up a big enough lead early? That's, that's the thing that I'm watching is Sark has been a, a master of, of his early game scripts, uh, especially that's what, that's what worked against OU. That's what worked against, um, against Oklahoma state. That's what really worked to a lesser extent against Baylor. And so like, if, if the, the scheme coming out of the locker room in the first half is good enough, Texas can build up a big lead. They've shown that. But again, like you mentioned, can that hold up on both sides of the ball? And I don't, I don't know that. I just, yeah. Question. I mean, and, and that's the thing is like, it's hard to tell if this is, you know, teams making adjustments or if it's Texas getting comfortable because they have a big lead and think that there's no way that, you know, they're going to, the, the opponent's going to come all the way back. Like, I, I just don't know what it is. It's something weird with this team. I guess we'll find out for sure just how big of a problem it is with this particular game that that's coming up. So, um, you know, like if, if, if there's ever a time to be able to hold on to a big lead in the second half, it's against a team like Kansas that has shown that they have all the problems that they do. So, all right. Um, Gerald, just one last final question for you before we br- touch briefly on basketball for this game. Do you actually ha- have a prediction for this game that you want to give us? Oh, man, I suck at predictions. Everybody always asks me. Oh, that. I know. I feel like at some point I <laughs> should too. get better at it. Um, I, I, I think Texas wins. I think it's probably maybe an eight. My gut says like 17 to 21 maybe is is potential if it is if it is a big if it is a uh blowout i think they, again i don't know how the, those those wizards in the desert do it but they know they seem to know how things are going to go more often than not uh so i don't necessarily i don't think i just think 30 31 31 points is huge that's that is an yeah, entire is. football game um but i do think it's seven like 17 points feels okay to me and i think um Texas fans feel all right about that. Yeah, no, at first I thought you were saying it was going to be a 21-17 game, and I was like, man, you really no, are no, are no. down on your Texas <laughs> team. So, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I do think that Kansas is going to have a great opportunity to get some success here. Uh, I think really just the question is going to be how how well they can do it early because I, I think that more than any other game, this is the game where it's going to matter for them to get off to a fast start. Um, you know, if, if if Texas gets up by five by four or five scores, you know, right after halftime, then it's going to be tough for this team to kind of stay in it, especially down in Austin. Um, you know, but the more, you know, this is definitely a highly charged game though. Like this is the one that, that a lot of Kansas players, you know, when, when, when I talked with them or kind of heard about the ones that they had circled, this was one of the ones, not only, you know, not only 
because, you know, Texas is obviously leaving for the SEC, but also just because of the history between these two schools, the fact like like a lot of Kansas fans and a lot of Kansas players think that, you know, this particular game for whatever reason, um, you know, the, the refs are against them more than they usually are. Uh, and so like this is one that is like super highly charged. If they can if they can even keep this, I think, within two or two or three scores going into halftime, they're going to feel good about that position and the opportunity just with how how often Texas had issues in the second half defensively. You know, they'll they'll feel like they have a good opportunity to be able to stay in the game and keep it close and potentially try to pull an upset, you know, and and like you said, or like we were talking about the last time they played down in Austin, this was a game where, you know, Texas jumped out to a pretty big lead early. Kansas came all the way back and almost won that game. So, like, there is precedent for it. There's a lot of players that are still on this team that remember that game that are, you know, are able to kind of talk about that game and what they were able to, to experience there. So I do think that there's an opportunity here for Kansas. I, I, I do agree. I, th- I think that we're probably looking at somewhere between a 17 to 24 point win for, for Texas at the very end of it. But I wouldn't be shocked if this is a game that we're all sitting there, you know, late in the fourth quarter. It's like, what is going on? Why has Texas not <laughs> put this one away yet? Um, yep. Ultimately, I, I think they will. Like, I don't, I'm, you know, I, I, as much as I want to say that I think Kansas can win this game, and it would be absolutely phenomenal if they did, it's really hard for me to actually pick it. Um, now we'll see if my mind changes between now and when I actually put my prediction over on Rock Chalk Talk, but I, I guess we'll just have to find out there. So, all right, Gerald, one last thing before we uh, get out of here. Or actually, I'm sorry. Before that, we, you know, it, this is this is the one thing though. You know, Kansas football has had some hard times. It's really hard to. To, uh, to 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 stick with it sometimes, but there is one thing that's always great about the, the football experience, and that is tailgating. And tailgating, no tailgate is complete without a custom grill grate or all the great stuff that you can get over at Gridiron Metalworks. Gridiron Metalworks is where you can get high quality metal home goods for the college super, super fan in your life. Whether that's you or someone else, find collegiate branded grill grates, griddles, or any number of home decor items, including flower pots, stainless steel bookends, coasters, or can coolers. All of these are in actual school colors, not just the, oh, it's really close colors that other manufacturers like to use. You know, I, I have one of the desk plaques. It's a big Jayhawk head with the word Kansas next to it. Absolutely love that thing. It's up on one of my bookshelves. I have a, the bookend as well, which is fantastic. And I do have a sign that I had them custom make for me that is my podcast logo that everybody talks about whenever they walk into my house. So it's, it's absolutely fantastic stuff they have. Everything that they make there is high quality, made in the USA, and they continue to add new products all the time. If you use promo code CHOP12, you can get 15% off your entire first order. And right now, everything that you order gets free shipping no matter how much it is they are gearing up for the holidays so if you do want to order something i guarantee you're going to find a gift that you know someone on your list does not have Um, but head on over there order early to make sure that they can actually fill it and get it to you by christmas use that promo code chalk 12 and get 15 percent off of everything that you can see over there all right gerald final question we're going to wrap up with the greatest time of the year is basketball season you know, I, I think that we can both agree on that right now uh, because both of our yeah. teams are supposed to be absolutely fantastic this year. But um, just how excited are you for this and how tough do you think the Big 12 conference season is going to be this year? I am extremely excited. And I, when they hired Chris Beard, I didn't know what the team was going to be because I think there was one player that was currently on the roster and that's Brock Cunningham, who in the opener had zero points and five fouls. So I didn't necessarily know uh, what it was going to be, but the Chris Beard fully transforming into the portal pirate and rebuilding this roster from, you know, two guys that were on the squad last year and then basically all transfers, uh, three guys that were on the 
roster. I keep forgetting about Brock because Brock still exists, but um, <laughs> it, it's it's been. I mean, when you fill your roster with all conference transfers, like they were all conference in the conference they were coming from, it's hard not to be excited. And I think we saw a lot of proof of concept. We still don't know what the what the rotation is going to be because I think that Texas had like six or seven players that played like fourteen minutes last night. So that's obviously not going to be the rotation. But I think as as someone who loved Shaka as a person, but was very frustrated with the on-court performances. I think it's good to see this. It's good to see what Chris Beard is doing. Texas had a, had a, I think the fourth most, the fourth highest attendance for an opener in school history. They sold a a record number of season tickets and and it's the last year of the Irwin center. So getting people into that massive arena has always been an issue. And so I, I, I'm excited. Fans are excited. It's hard not to be excited about this new chapter. And the Big 12, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The Big 12, forget the Big 10, forget any other conference. The, the Big 12 is consistently, and even after, and probably even more so after um, the changes, is the best basketball conference in the country, hands down. Like You can argue with you can argue with your mama about it. Oh, yeah, it, but for like, sure. For, the Big 12, even the not good teams in the Big 12, can jump up a bite you the keister. And that, to me, is the sign of a good conference. And, and I just love um, – it sucks to watch those games because it's soup it's nerve-wracking and there's very few that you get to just enjoy uh but it's 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 just so much fun i can't there's no two ways around it right right if if you're going to watch a big 12 game it better be like if, if you want to enjoy the experience it better be because you just want to watch good basketball not because you're expecting your team to go blow out the other team because that's hardly ever going to happen when it does happen it's super surprising even against teams like iowa state or kansas state last year like you know, there was really, really difficult games there or TCU. Like, it, there's, there are difficult games against the bottom of this conference because there really isn't a bad team at all in the conference, except for, with, you know, with the exception of Iowa State last year. That was a bad team, but, you know, that yes. was kind of understandable given all the roster issues that they had. Uh, but, you know, this year, it, it, it was a fantastic opening two days for the Big 12. They went 7-0 and on opening night, including a Kansas win over Michigan State in the Champions Classic, a 13-point win, which is... Actually, I mean, a lot higher than I expected. And, of course, Texas, you know, just completely blowing the water or blowing Houston Baptist out of the water with a 92-48 to win. Like, there are a lot of loaded teams. You know, Baylor is going to be absolutely a beast this year as well. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see, like, Texas Tech and Oklahoma State, even though Oklahoma State's not eligible for the postseason now because of that ridiculous NCAA opinion. um, You know, they are going to wreak some havoc, I think, in the Big 12 this year as well. So it's going to be absolutely fantastic. They are 8-0 and as a conference so far this year uh, because Kansas state beat Florida and and by 10 this, you know, this evening when we're recording um, by the time this one comes out, TCU will probably either already have played or be getting ready to play. Um, So, you know, we'll see how, how good of an opening weekend this can be. Um, You know, Texas has a big game coming up this weekend too against uh, Gonzaga. So, um, you know, that'll be a good opportunity. I think for the conference to get a big win just because I don't know that Gonzaga is quite as good as a lot of people seem to think that they're going to be. So, We'll have to see how all of that plays out. But, uh, Gerald, thank you for joining me tonight. Where can everybody find your work online? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, for my, if you're looking for Texas Longhorn stuff, which I'm not sure why you would, but at Longhorn Pod is where I do all of that. My personal Twitter is at GH Goodridge. Most of that is like movie nonsense and then dumb stuff my kids do because my kids are hilarious. I think everybody thinks their kids are hilarious. Of course they are. My my kids are weird because uh, they're they're my little ADHD spawn. So I tweet a lot about my kids uh, over at GH Goodridge on Twitter. 
Yeah, you know what? As long as Texas is part of the Big 12, I will still tell people that they need to know what's going on and follow all the good podcasts and, and all the good covers that you have there. So I, I definitely recommend going out there and following Gerald over at, at the Longhorn Republic and him personally as well, if, if you aren't already. Uh, you know, and I mean, we are part of a, a 10-12 network that covers all the teams in the Big 12 conference, including we do have a Texas pod, um, you know, and we are currently looking at whether we're going to get an Oklahoma one on here as well or not. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great coverage over there. So, so definitely go over there, follow you guys, follow everybody that we have over on the network, keep up to date with all of the big 12 teams. Uh, But that is going to do it for us today. Gerald, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please go out wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there, just search for rock chalk podcast. You can subscribe to the show. Um, and get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give me a rating and a review, would love five stars and nice comments. Um, but whatever you are able to give me, I, I, I'm looking to try to get a, a bunch of re- reviews before the end of the year. Um, you know, if you do leave me a review, I will read it on the show. Uh, I actually did see that there was another one that, or a one that actually had come in earlier this week that I wasn't able to pull before the show tonight. So, but I promise I'll get that one uh, on the next one next week, as long with, with, with any other ones that, that people leave between now and then. So, so definitely go out and do that. But for whatever reason, if, if you're not able to give us those, those five stars, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at Rock Chalk Pod. We do actually have a really great interview coming up over the weekend that we'll be posting sometime next week. I'm not going to spoil who it is, but I can guarantee you, if you are a Kansas football fan, you are going to want to hear this one. So make sure that you get subscribed so you can hear that as soon as it comes out. Um, you can fo- follow all the great shows on the 1012 Network. Just go to ten12network over on Twitter to find links to all the great shows. Because we're on the Anchor platform, you can actually leave us a voicemail, get your voice on the show. Just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, and I promise that we'll get it on there. But that's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you guys so much for listening. Gerald, thank you for joining me. Make sure you guys go out to the sponsors. Use promo code CHALK12 at Gridiron Metal and Symbol to get some great deals over there. Uh, but that'll do it for us tonight. Thank you guys. Have Have a good night, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Welcome to Between Two Bears, the newest 1012 Network podcast. Uh, this is Matt is Bear. I'm going to introduce my co-host, Evan Abair, uh, to give you a quick idea of what the show is about. Yeah, Between Two Bears is going to be a it's going to be a great sorry. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid side of Baylor sports. Hey, I'm gonna try one more time. Big tween two. Okay, uh, Evan. Evan's gonna go take a nap. Um, but we are excited to join the 1012 Network along with the rest of their already great lineup of Big 12 podcasts. Check them out at 1012 Network on Twitter and us as well at Matt is Bear and at Evan A Bear. Uh, Sickum Bears.
This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pit, joined by my brother, Jeremy J.N. Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, anyplace. Get at your boys. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.